want you to imagine for a moment that you diligently signed up for this Mass as you all did. It's the only Easter Mass you're guaranteed a seat, right, for this year. You signed up, you showed up nice and early, dressed nicely as everybody here is today. You pulled up to St. Joe's and there's nothing. Doors are locked. You peer through the windows. They obviously haven't been cleaned for a while. For whatever reason you look in, there's no lilies, there's no the limit of my flower knowledge, any of these others. (laughs) There's no uncovered cross, there's no white here. You go to what is rapidly becoming the most popular mass in America, the car mass. You drive up and they're paving that day. No cars, nothing. Even the tabernacle is open and empty. And you are angry, right? What is going on today? Is this some COVID thing? You know, maybe you're really masked off. Why is this happening? But I'd like to suggest that if that were your experience this morning, then maybe for the first time ever, you'd have a sense of what it felt like on that very first morning. And I'm so grateful in the church that these Easter Sunday readings, whether you went to the vigil last night or you're here during Easter Day, They stop. They stop at the very moment that the women or the disciples come to the tomb and it's empty. You don't see the risen Jesus in these readings. He's coming soon, don't worry. But all that they see is emptiness. All that they see, if anything, is a great disappointment that the very body they were coming to anoint as an act of love isn't there. All they see is emptiness. And what would it be like if we showed up full of expectation and that's all that we saw? In between that moment of encounter and our decision of what we're going to do about it is this empty space. And I'd like to suggest it's a sacred space. It's maybe the most sacred space you or I will ever know on our Christian spiritual journeys. Because in between that first encounter and our acting upon it is that sacred space in which we have to make a decision of what we're going to do. And there they were on that first morning. What was their encounter? Their encounter was with an empty tomb. Okay, so in some cases there's angels there. In Mark's version, there's just this guy dressed in a white robe. That's unusual, but the one they were really looking for wasn't there. And then they have to decide, what are they going to do? Now, I'm not asking that we do a sort of spiritual lobotomy on ourselves and pretend that we don't know what we know. We know what happened to the one who was in the tomb. But that doesn't mean we don't have similar encounters in our lives. Every single one of us today, in 2021. And I'm just inviting us, if we really want to own the joy of Easter, if we really want it to be something for us and not simply celebrating what happened 2,000 years ago, we ask ourselves, what does that encounter with the empty tomb look like for us? Where is there a sense maybe of emptiness or disappointment or an unhappy surprise? 
Where are those areas where we were expecting something and it never quite panned out? I'm not saying this to sort of be a downer on such a happy morning. But there's a reason that all of this happened and we're not here just to be Jesus' cheerleaders. Way to go, Jesus. The only reason that happened is so that he could bring us into the very heart of where we have an experience like they did 2,000 years ago. And so I say this with deep respect and reverence and love. But where is that encounter for myself or for you today? We can dress nicely, we can smell the beautiful flowers, we can enjoy the extraordinary music and cantering, but none of that can mask what for each one of us still is going to be something in our lives where there's a longing, a deep desire, and maybe even a disappointment for a choice that we made or things that didn't turn out quite right. And I don't believe that Jesus is asking us to just suppress that or ignore it. Hey, don't be a downer today. This is Easter morning. Give me my chance. I think quite the contrary. He's saying, let all of this be a threshold, right? Not the place to stop, not the place to say, well, in spite of everything else, at least I've got these great flowers and I know Jesus rose from the dead. It's not in spite of, it's precisely in the heart of where our empty tomb maybe is. But it's all about that sacred space. And God love our church because she doesn't let our readings on Easter jump ahead to the encounter with the risen Jesus. Every single one of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as our church gives us their version for Easter Day or the Easter Vigil, we stop short of that encounter with the risen Christ. Because I think she's inviting us, maybe even challenging us to say, don't jump ahead. Allow yourself to be in that sacred in-between space. But then draw on grace, right? This isn't just human effort tugging on our own bootstraps. That's why we have the sacraments. That's why we have what we know is the risen Christ. To allow us to go into that empty space in the face of the fear or the disappointment or the sadness or the regrets. And to simply make the choice for freedom. Because those are the options in that in-between time. It's a choice for freedom or it's a choice for confinement. It's a choice for letting another year tick by where maybe we keep that thing we'd rather not look at sealed up. Oh, the tomb is empty? Roll that stone back quickly. Don't let anybody else look in there. Don't let anybody else know that I've got this empty tomb. That's one choice. But the tomb in that way doesn't remain empty, of course. We crawl into it and we roll the stone back. And we stay confined for another year or a lifetime. But there's another choice, of course, and it's the one that they made 2,000 years ago. It's a choice for freedom. But it's a choice for freedom before we know the answer, and that's what I'm trying to stress. They didn't know it was Easter morning. All they could act upon was the hope and the love and the trust that had grown up that whatever this was all about, whatever this was all about, somehow they hadn't been abandoned. And they were given messages from these angels or these unnamed figures, but they still didn't have the certitude of seeing Jesus himself, the risen Lord. 
And at this moment, if it is still for you or for me an empty tomb, we don't have certitude either. And maybe, maybe things won't ultimately get rectified in the way that we so deeply desire. Maybe part of that empty tomb for us is a dear person that we've lost to death in this past year. Maybe it's a relationship where the other person isn't quite ready to reconcile. And so in spite of the desire of our hearts, there's not going to be some glorious meeting, at least not in the near future. Then the lie is the tomb is empty and it stays empty. The message of this morning is no. Take a step. Maybe it's just a baby step, but take a step away from the tomb. Not because you're ignoring it or suppressing it, but because there really is hope that I can move in another direction. I can seek out joy where I haven't known it before. I can extend an olive branch of forgiveness where I haven't extended it before. Maybe I even use that sense of a poor choice as an example to be a mentor and a witness to others who may be facing similar choices. And then it isn't for me just a dead regret, but it's a source of life, it's a source of love. It's a source of accompanying someone else in a new way that we hadn't thought possible out of the deadness that we previously knew. So just as a spiritual exercise this Sunday, we know where this story is going in the Christian journey. We know they're going to meet the risen Christ. But at least for this morning, they don't know that. And all that they know is the choice that they made in that sacred in-between space. I love the fact that the days of the Triduum all have descriptors, little adjectives. Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. And then suddenly it's just Easter. Because for us, Easter isn't automatically good. For us, it becomes good based on the choices that we make. Of course, objectively, it's glorious. But for us, subjectively, it has to become good. And it becomes good based on the choice we make in this sacred in-between space. And my prayer for every one of us here is that our choice is freedom.